Welcome to the Raise with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day with life with Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today from Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I just want you to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now trying to reach the goal by the flesh? Did you experience so many things for nothing, if it were indeed for nothing? So then, does the one who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law, or does he do it by your believing what you hear, in the same way as Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness? Understand then that those who believe are the children of Abraham. Foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, Scripture proclaimed the gospel in advance to Abraham, saying, In you all nations will be blessed. So then, those who have the faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. In fact, those who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one is declared righteous before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. The law does not say by faith. Instead it says, the one who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. As it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing of Abraham would come to Gentiles through Jesus Christ, so that we would receive the promised Spirit through faith. Brothers, I am speaking in human terms. When someone has established a last will and testament, no one nullifies it or adds to it. The promises God spoke referred to Abraham and to his seed. It doesn't say, and to seeds, as if it were referring to many, but as referring to one, and to your seed, who is Christ. What I am saying is this, the law, which came into being 430 years after the covenant, established earlier by God in Christ, this law does not annul that covenant with the result that it invalidates the promise. In fact, if the inheritance is by the law, it is no longer by the promise, but God graciously gave it to Abraham by a promise. Then what about the law? It was added for the purpose of revealing transgressions, until the seed, to whom the promise referred, had come. It was transmitted through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not needed for one party, but God is one. Then is the law against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given that could give life, certainly righteousness would have been derived from the law. But Scripture imprisoned all things under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ would be given to those who believe. But before this faith came, we were held in custody under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed. So the law was our chaperone until Christ, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a chaperone. In fact, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Indeed, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is not Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one and the same in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants and heirs according to the promise. This is the word of our God. 
Paul spends this chapter describing the true nature of law and gospel. His first witness that he calls in, so to speak, is the experience of the Galatians in verse 4. They owe their conversion to the proclamation of Christ crucified, and the cross is God's verdict on all mankind, and his rejection of all the works of man. And we recognize that it is by hearing with faith, not by works, that the gospel has come. The second witness, um, Paul meets these these men who would have them follow the Jewish law. We call them Judaizers. Paul meets the Judaizers on their own ground by appealing to the witness of Abraham, and even Abraham, the justified believer Abraham, and those who follow in the faith of Abraham are the ones who are justified believers, not the ones who follow in the works of the law, which was put into place and which was handed down 430 years after Abraham. So then finally, the third witness that Paul brings in is the law itself. The law demands deeds and pronounces a curse on all who do not obey it fully. No man, however, is justified justified before God by the law. All people are under its curse and can only be justified by faith, which looks to him, Jesus Christ, who took upon himself the curse of the law in our place. Um, Gentiles as well as Jews receive the blessing of Abraham and the gift of the Spirit promised through faith. And that's that's kind of the three witnesses that Paul brings in. He brings in, first of all, the Galatians themselves and their experience. Second of all, um, the Old Testament witness of Abraham. And then third of all, the curse of the law. And that if one is to, if you want to ride the law pointing to heaven, so to speak, then you have to do all the works of the law. You can't just pick and choose. And in that sense, you'll be following the law completely if you put conditions on your faith saying that this is what you must do in order to be forgiven if you are doing that then you need to follow all the works of the law you can't just pick and choose as to what is convenient for you or what is simple enough for you to to follow but then we see um beginning in verse 15 15 through 18 there's this little interlude talking about the promise of god as a will or a testament that the blessing of abraham and this gift of the spirit does not come by the law but the law is still god's law it is holy and just and good for it is god's will of love it is still expressed in this law and so that law cannot be merely dismissed it must be seen in its place and time as it functions in god's overall plan for the salvation of people as god revealed it god himself was the one who put the law into the secondary place. That wasn't Paul's idea. God's first word in the history of his people was that word of a promise made to Abraham. 430 years later, the law was given through Moses. The promise, that most basic and primary word to people, is a giving word. Um, Genesis chapter 12, I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Genesis 12, the promise says, I will give a giving word. No one can annul a will that is a last will and testament once it has been ratified. So also the law uh, coming centuries after this word of promise, the law cannot set aside the word of the promise, the word of the gospel, because the gift that God wants to give and that he had previously ratified is still in effect. And so finally, what is the function of the law? It was not to set aside the promise of God, which came previously, 
um, but rather the law had a negative and a temporary function um, that would lead to the promise. And that that purpose of the law was limited to the nation of Israel. The law had served the gracious purpose of God's promise. It had guarded the people and kept the people and kept them separate from the nations around them until their Messiah had come, until the fulfillment of the promise. But now that the Messiah has come, then the law is set aside and it has been fulfilled completely in in Jesus Christ. And so what Paul reminds us of is that the law is still holy and just. It is still divine. Um, but as far as, as far as salvation, it does not and has never had um, any role in, in salvation, aside from convicting us of the sin that the Messiah's death required, or that convicting us of that sin that rec- helps us to recognize that we cannot earn our own way to heaven. And I guess there's a there's something else there, because when we talk about God is a God of love, and we'll talk about this actually next week in, in our Bible class here in, here in Toledo, when we talk about the fact that God is a God of love, it is also true that God could have let all people go to hell and still have been a God of love, because God being a God of love, that's part of one of his characteristics, one of his attributes. It does not change. And then secondly that, yes, indeed, the law provides a way to heaven if you do these things. It is a conditional path to heaven. If you do this, then you will live. The gospel provides an unconditional path to heaven. And God could have let all people go to hell in that conditional way if they did not live up to the conditions of the law. But in his grace, God gave a promise, an unconditional promise, which we cherish still today that this Jesus has done it all, this Jesus has won it all, and he has promised it all. He has communicated his forgiveness to you and to me in baptism, in word, in sacrament, for the purpose of reassuring our hearts and strengthening that faith, so that when we are pressed by the law and the conscience, and when we are pressed to recognize our sinfulness, then there is God with his word of promise. Dear Christian, your sin has been taken away. The conditions have been fulfilled. Your sin has been atoned for. You have life. You have forgiveness. You have salvation. Thanks so much for joining us here at the Reason with Jesus podcast. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't done so already. Or if you're on Facebook, just give, it a, give us a quick like, comment, or share. And wherever you happen to see our episodes. Thanks so much. God bless your day.